You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. It's that time alone with God on a regular basis that you develop that personal time with God that you will naturally begin to take God with you throughout the day. And you will become conscious of God being with you no matter what circumstance you're in, no matter where you are or what's happening. And you will be able to, in time, pray continually. Always be in that attitude of prayer. But I believe this begins with that personal time regularly alone with our Heavenly Father. If you can't discipline yourself to spend time alone and focused on God, how do you expect to be able to sense Him speaking and guiding you in the midst of the noisy distractions of this world? As Pastor Danny will point out in today's message, many believers completely neglect this part of their relationship with Him. They justify it by dropping a prayer here or there throughout the day, but they're missing out on the intimacy that can only come in those quiet moments dedicated to Him. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark, chapter 1, as he continues his message, A Biblical Guide for Powerful Prayer. Years ago, a pastor friend of mine, he made the statement in a, in, a, in, a, in a public meeting, and I was taken aback when he, when he said it, because the way he said it, and I was like, oh, I can't believe you said that. He said it, he said it more directly than I'm going to say it. He said, the two things I love most in life, fellowship with my God and intimacy with my wife, but he didn't use the word intimacy, he used the word, the three-letter word. And when he said that, I was like, oh, What? And all of a sudden, as I went away and really thought about it, I thought, man, what a wonderful statement and what a true statement. Because, man, I'm a male. I hope you, I hope you recognize that. <laughs> and let me say in there today and, and, re, and, and echo what Peter Lord said for my own life. I'm going to tell you what. The two things I enjoy most in life is fellowship with my God and intimacy with my wife. And both are holy. God created sex. Satan didn't create sex. But it's to be enjoyed in, the, in holy matrimony. And I love intimacy with my wife, but I love fellowship with my God, too. And when I miss intimacy with my wife, I hate it. When I miss fellowship with my God, I hate it. And if you really want a powerful, meaningful prayer life, you can have it. And when you experience it, you won't want to go without it. You really won't. You got to want it. And then it won't happen without discipline. You like to think it's just a warm, fuzzy thing that pushes you to, no, 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 discipline. Tremendous practical story of Martha and Mary in Luke chapter 10. You might know the story, Martha and Mary are sisters. Martha is busy serving the Lord and serving the church, serving the disciples. Mary is just sitting there with Jesus. 
hanging on every word. She gets frustrated. She gets so frustrated with her sister and with the Lord. She goes to the Lord and says, don't you care that my sister is not helping with all the preparations, all the things that need to be done? And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you're anxious about so many things. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from here. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand on that story. Mary has chosen what is better. doesn't mean what Martha was doing was not good. Did you hear that? doesn't mean what Martha was doing was not good. Mary has chosen what is better. Serving, serving, we're called to serve. We're called to serve. But there's something that comes before serving, and that's sitting at the master's feet. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Makes me think again of Philippians, don't be anxious about anything, Martha. But in everything, by prayer and petition, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's okay to get excited about it. If you ever want to clap to the Lord about something you get moved in, if you want to, over, want to say thank you in a public meeting like that, please feel free. Don't be shy. Nobody else does it. You can do it. It's okay. Peter said, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Listen, self-discipline is a part of so much of the Christian life, but especially in regard to prayer. Jesus said, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. If you know and love Jesus Christ, you have a desire to have a powerful, meaningful prayer life and to serve the Lord in every way you can. The spirit is willing. But it's one thing to desire it and want it. It's another thing to do it. Spirit is willing. Flesh is weak. Takes self-control. Takes discipline. And, and these are things that are learned too. You can practice and develop these things. Years ago, one of our trips to Israel, we were at the Western Wall. Some people call it the Wailing Wall because Jews especially go there to pray. And a lot of times they pray and they weep and pray. Nothing magical about the wall the reason they pray at the Western Wall is the wall that separated the outer area and inside was where the temple was and the Holy of Holies inside the temple. And it's the closest place today Jews can get to the ancient Holy of Holies, right? That's the only reason it's a place practically they go to pray. It's the closest they can get to the ancient Holy of Holies because on the other side is the Dome of the Rock, high and holy place for the uh, Muslims. And if Jews go in there, war breaks out. So they stand at the Western Wall, called the Wailing Wall sometimes, and they pray. They'll write prayers down, uh, sometimes on little pieces of paper. And they'll take those and fold them up and stick them in between the stones there in the wall. And I noticed something, especially when I was there a few years ago. There's not only people praying at the wall, there are a bunch of especially Orthodox Jews in this room off to the side. And in this room, they have all kind of uh, scrolls and uh, books of Hebrew scriptures. And Orthodox Jews will go in there and they'll read the scripture and they will pray. And you see them at the wall and sometimes you'll see them. Maybe you've seen them, maybe on TV, and you'll see them doing this, doing this, doing this. And I'm thinking that must be some kind of ritual kind of thing, you know. And in the, in the room, you'll see them walking and reading. And they're walking. But they're in their own world. They're not, they're not there to, to talk to anybody. They're just there walking and reading. And even in the room sometimes you'll see them. You'll see them over in a corner with, with, with a scroll and they'll be doing this. And so I pull one Jew aside and I said, I noticed you guys sometimes you're walking. And I especially, I'm especially interested in, 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 in you doing this. And why do you do that? He looked at me like I was a kindergarten kid that knew nothing. 
He looked at me like, what a dumb question. And you know what he said? Here's what he said. To stay alert. Duh. Not come some kind of religious routine. It's to stay alert. They walk to stay alert. They, they bow like this while they're standing to stay alert. Some of us, you know, we can learn from this because what do we do? We go down to pray and all of a sudden you close your eyes and I mean, it's the best, it's the best sleeping pill you could ever take. <laughs> and every one of us know what that feels like. That gets into a whole other thing of practical stuff, and, and I'll get to some of it maybe today. But discipline. Listen, closing your eyes to pray is meant to focus. But if closing your eyes, you start to get groggy, open your eyes. Stand up. Walk. Do something. Stay alert. Discipline. I didn't get into this in any other service, so I, I, I'm not going to take the time now. Hopefully, in, uh, next time we get to this, because we're going to spend at least one more weekend on prayer. I hope you're okay with that. Because if you're not okay, we're going to do it anyway. These are journals. I talk about journaling some of the time. One of the most practical self-disciplines that I started years ago is journaling. And I'm not a, I'm not a guy that that's not my forte. I'm, that's just not me, which is tied in with the discipline thing. But boy, what a blessing it's been for me. Blessing. You want to have a powerful, meaningful prayer life? It's got to be like a date. Got to be like a date. You got to schedule the time. You got to have a plan. Very early in the morning, Jesus, while it was still dark, got up and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Listen carefully as we bring it toward a close. Choose the most secluded, quiet place you can. Now, depending on your circumstances, I know that's going to be relative. All right? Choose the most secluded, quiet place you can. Let me tell you one of the most practical things my wife did years ago when our children were small. My wife had a set time. She still does today, even though it's longer today because the kids are, are pretty much grown now. But she had a set time. She was going to spend time with the Lord, reading the word and prayer. All right? And she made a rule with the children. Our bedrooms are upstairs. All right. And she made a rule and the children, when they were young, they could, they could wake up anytime they wanted, but they could not come downstairs and interrupt her until her devotional time with the Lord was, was complete. Unless it was an emergency, unless it was an emergency. All right. So they had a restroom up, they have a restrooms upstairs and, and everything to take care of themselves, you know, uh, but they could not come down and interrupt their mother until her time with the Lord was done. You say, that sounds unloving. It's very loving. And it shows you where our priority, her priority was too. And she made this, this rule because her time with the Lord was the priority. You love your kids, love the Lord more. And it was a discipline. And it allowed her uh, to have that time with the Lord. And so choose the most secluded, quiet place you can. And as much as you have authority over it, you block out any other distractions. The desert is where the air is the cleanest and the dew falls the freshest. I love that statement. I wrote this down years ago and I don't know if I stole it from somebody or God gave it to me. If you know of somebody I stole it from, let me know and I'll set the record straight. If I do not learn to hear God in the quiet, it'll be difficult to impossible to hear him in the noise. And I mean, it make that very practical because I've had people say to me, isn't there a verse that says pray without ceasing? Yes, there is. First Thessalonians. By the way, the priority time, I believe, not limited to this priority time to develop a prayer life is in the morning. 
in the morning. Why? Because you're going into the day. Doesn't mean you don't pray during the day and into the day and at the end of the day. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places, solitary places where he prayed. But then this verse says, pray continually. And some people have said to me, and sometimes I, I sense that they're saying it as kind of an excuse. They're, they're saying it to sound spiritual. Well, I just pray throughout the day. I'm, I go, praise the Lord. I commend you for that. But if you don't have a time regularly where you get along with God, first of all, you're not following Jesus' example. That's what he did. And I believe if you do not have a time regularly that you get along with God, you won't really be able to do what this verse says adequately. Because it's that time alone with God on a regular basis that you develop that personal time with God that you will naturally begin to take God with you throughout the day. And you will become conscious of God being with you no matter what circumstance you're in, no matter where you are, what's happening. And you will be able to, in time, pray continually. Always be in that attitude of prayer. But I believe this begins with that personal time regularly alone with our Heavenly Father. And then you got to have a clear mind. What does that mean? Be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Clear-minded. Paul said, I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. Again, here you see it. God one another. God, one another. If I had shared sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened, but God has listened and heard my voice in prayer. Praise be to God, who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. Now, listen carefully. Some of, some of us sitting right here, I, I believe this is probably true with this number of people. The reason you don't have a powerful, meaningful prayer life is because there's sin, habitual sin in your life. It's known sin, known sin. And until you get that right, you won't have a powerful, meaningful prayer life. It just won't happen. Until you get right with God, not going to happen. Some of us, uh, you want to get real practical here? Husbands, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Until you learn how to treat your wife in a godly way, God's going to say, well, until you learn to do that, you're not going to have a powerful, meaningful prayer life. Listen, if there are issues between me and my wife as far as my responsibility and my failure, until I get that right, I will not have a powerful prayer life. Because it's relationship with God and relationship with one another. Jesus said all of the law and the commandments hang on two. What are they? Love God, love one another. That's it. Love God, love one another. Let me read you 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, verse 21. Listen carefully. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. Next verse. And this is his command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Love God, love one another. Something's wrong in a relationship and it's your part that you have to take responsibility. You can't change them. Jesus said, you go to the altar, you offer, you give, and you remember, wait a minute, there's something between me and my brother. Go first and be reconciled to your brother as far as your part goes, then come offer your gift. Clear mind. I strive always, Paul said, keep my conscience clear before God and man. 
You'll never have the kind of prayer life that God wants us to have apart from the word of God. Another whole message in itself, but just so you understand, uh, we learn to pray from the scriptures, the 4-4 pattern, okay? But beyond that, a lot of specific prayers in the scriptures. Safest prayers to pray are prayers you find in the scriptures. Epaphras, the one who Paul said is wrestling in prayer. He says, one of the things he prayed, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. That's a biblical prayer. Prayer I pray often. I especially pray it for new believers. I pray from Ephesians 1 that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the glorious inheritance in the saints. You wrap your mind around that. It'll help you in, in daily living for the Lord because you have a home in heaven that you can't even fathom. I pray, part of that prayer, that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. I pray that for others on a regular basis. I pray it for you. I pray it especially for new believers. And there are all kinds of prayers like that. All kinds of prayers. And the more you're in the word and under the word, the more you learn to pray the word. Scripture-fed, spirit-led, worship-based prayer. The more you learn about the word in regard to prayer, as you read about bowing before the Lord, don't just read about it and think that's for other people. Find a time in your own life where you bow before the Lord. When it says men, I want men everywhere, God says, to lift up holy hands in prayer. Have you ever lifted up your hands to the Lord in prayer? Men? Holy hands in prayer. What's the next verse? Without anger or disputing. Ooh, there you go again. Got to make sure my relationships are right before my prayer is going to really make a difference. Without anger or disputing. I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer. One lady in our worship time, this, this service, I, I, I was so encouraged. She's just lying prostrate before the Lord. So what a wonderful thing. She, the Holy Spirit led her to do that. That's a wonderful position sometimes of worship. And sometimes that's a position of prayer. Especially when you're desperate. And last but not least today, you'll never experience all of the prayer life that God wants you to have unless you go out of the prayer closet and some people, in the same way, I think some people say, well, I just pray throughout the day. And sometimes I think that's a cop-out. I also have people say, well, I believe prayer is just personal and private. I appreciate that. But if you limit it to that, you haven't experienced complete biblical prayer. From the chapter coming out of the prayer closet, I'm just reading little segments here. This moment felt as close to heaven is anything I had ever experienced. And Daniel talks about one of the first times in a prayer summit format in a church he pastored, what he experienced. This moment of united prayer was as intimate, free, flowing, and exhilarating as anything I've ever known in my entire Christian journey. For years in my Christian life, I had never experienced it. I can tell you I have, and I long for it. Tonight, I'm, I'm counting on the Lord doing that in our leadership prayer time tonight, it's going to be great. You could not learn the apostles' doctrine by downloading a message to your iPod. You had to be gathered in community. The same was obviously true of fellowship and the breaking of bread. And how did they learn to pray? Together. Most of us were taught praying is something we do almost exclusively on our own in a closet somewhere. In reality, early Christians learned to pray largely by praying together. 
Gene Getz, in a book he wrote a while back, why have we neglected the corporate emphasis on prayer found in Acts and the epistles? He writes a lot longer than this, but he summarized it this way. Western culture is distinguished by rugged individualism. More is said in Acts and the epistles about corporate prayer, corporate learning of biblical truth, corporate evangelism, and corporate Christian maturity and growth than about the personal aspects of these Christian disciplines. Did you know that? We're no longer born into a culture of community, but a, quote, way of life that makes the individual supreme or sovereign over everything. I think that's true. We have all too often mirrored the culture by making Christianity an individual sport. We've looked at the Lord's Prayer as a model for the content of our praying, the 4-4 pattern. We should also embrace it as a model for the context of our praying. Listen to this. The pronouns in the Lord's Prayer are all plural. He did not give the instructions to pray, my father in heaven, give me this day my daily bread and forgive me my debts. Do not lead me into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. They're all plural. Last but not least, when Jesus said, when thou prayest, enter thy closet, Matthew 6, 6. Just what did he mean? We usually assume a closet to be a small cubicle designed for our shoes, clothes, and possibly a flashlight. This word, and he gives the Greek word, appears in the Greek New Testament four times. Among those instances, it can mean inner rooms or a storehouse or a storeroom. The narrow interpretation of a private chamber for solitary prayer is not a reasonable meaning. This would be especially difficult when Jesus spoke to a group of disciples using plural pronouns. It would either have to be a very crowded private closet crammed with sweaty, cramping disciples, or it must mean a place large enough for a corporate gathering and yet personal and private for that group. Daniel says, I've discovered that in 1611, when the King James Bible was translated, one of the primary usages of the word closet was the idea of a private meeting room which makes perfect sense as to the selection of the word for that particular translation. Yes, and I've spent the most of time, most of the time in the message talking about a personal prayer life, and that certainly ought to be priority. But if you limit your prayer time to just you and the Lord, and not in the context of the church, you're going to still be short of all that God wants you to have in terms of a powerful, meaningful prayer life. Choose a time. What time are you going to get up tomorrow to give time to the Lord and begin to develop a personal prayer life? Make the word part of your devotional time, but also make time for prayer. And I'll talk hopefully in a couple of weekends some practical things about journaling. Very practical. Fits in with the discipline side of things. Have a plan. Bible reading, prayer. Practice. Go ahead and start to practice tomorrow morning the 4-4 pattern. Start with our Father who art in heaven. Holy is your name. And go through that pattern, all right, of prayer. Reverence, response, request, readiness.
We're so thankful to be able to share the Word of God with you here on The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our listening audience. If you want to hear today's message again, please visit ccfstpete.church. You can also join in our Bible reading plan. Just look under the Resources tab on our website for more information. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment to ask you to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join with us in praying for the listeners of this program? You might not realize how powerful prayer can be, especially during such uncertain times. There might be a listener who's really struggling, and God might stir in their heart a renewal of their faith simply by listening to this program. Please pray that each person who hears these messages would find encouragement. Just as we're reminded in Mark, God came to earth as a human, suffered in all the ways we do, and ultimately came to redeem each one of us. That's the takeaway we hope every listener gains from tuning in. Please pray for us also to seek God's will for this program and for it to continue to reach people in a powerful way. Thanks for praying with and for us. With that, we've come to the end of our time with you today. Thanks for joining us as Pastor Danny continued looking at the book of Mark. We hope that you'll tune in again right here on The Living Word.